right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Learning the Tropes. Um, I'm so excited for this episode because we have uh, two really wonderful guests, uh, Christina and Lauren of Christina Lauren. Um, <clears throat> Christina Lauren is a combined pen name of the longtime writing partners and best friends, Christina Hobbs and Lauren Billings. Together, they've written many romance and YA novels. Their most recent novel, The True Love Experiment, is available for pre-order now and is out May 16th. Welcome, Christina and Lauren. Hi, guys. Yay. Thank Hello. you. Hello. Thanks so much for joining me. I have to say, so I have the book right here next to me. She's been keeping me company through my work day. I, I love it. Loved it. I read it. I really did it the span of the way that one can read a book because I was like reading the hardcover. I was reading it on my phone when I had a few minutes. I was taking my Kindle on the subway. So <laughs> it's been with me <laughs> everywhere. And I, yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. Um, but why don't you guys uh, let me know a little bit about where the idea for the book came from, kind of what it's about. Sure. Okay. So this is Lauren's voice, just so you guys okay. will get to know, because there's oh, two yes. of us. <laughs> um, and so Fizzy is the main character in the True Love Experiment, and she was the best friend character in the Soulmate Equation, which was our 2021 release. And in that book, the book was about Jess, who is a single mom, and River Pena, who is this serious scientist and he has founded a company that is a genetic matchmaking service so it does not match people based on similarity of dna because we are not here for eugenics but it matches people based on a very complicated algorithm of genetic compatibility that has been determined through personality tests and marriage assessments and attraction assessments and all kinds of stuff that would take like 40 years to do in reality so Fizzy, in the, um, as the best friend, she's a romance author. She takes Jess to go do this. And in that book, Jess and River find that they are like the highest match ever created. But when we released that book, readers were enamored with Fizzy. And they were like, when is Fizzy getting her own book? And we hadn't planned to write one for her. Um, we planned that that was like their happily ever after. Jess and River, everything was fine. Everybody in the book was good. But the more we met with people, the more they were like, Fizzy needs a book. So we had an idea that fall um, to play with the technology from the Soulmate Equation a little bit more and to actually create a dating show around it with the premise that Fizzy has kind of lost her joy. And she does this dating show um, kind of as a way to like get out of her own head a little bit and try something different. And the hero, Connor, is a producer who usually makes very serious business like life science documentaries. And um, he has been tasked with making a reality show. So he figures why not um, cast the queen of romance herself, Fizzy Chen. So as you will see in the book, instead of falling for the people on the show, Fizzy might fall for the man behind the camera. But that's where the idea came. I, I love that. And so obviously having a heroine as a romance author hits pretty close to home, I can imagine. Uh, <laughs> so what was it like writing somebody in your current profession? Um, so I think that if we would have known that we were going to be writing, you know, giving Fizzy a book, we might have done things a little bit differently. Because, you know, Fizzy is sort of kind of we did play with a couple of cliches and you know this romance like this genre it kind of gets some crap about stuff but you know she's like writes everything down and like yes we carry notebooks but we aren't like writing down everything everybody says and you know um so fizzy is she's a, she's a bit more dramatic we're much more boring and <laughs> uninteresting than fizzy is as a romance novelist um but uh, it was fun because we got to talk about things that we really love, like mainly our genre and how much we love romance. And we always tell people, you know, our characters don't speak for us. Um, but in Fizzy's case, some of the things that she, say, she says really do come from us. Uh, you know, our love for our genre, our love for our readers are kind of like, we will just like bang a drum all the time that there's like no guilty pleasures, there's only pleasures, and that you should find the things that bring you joy not be ashamed of them, celebrate them, hold on to them, protect them, you know? Um, so it was really fun. It was just like, we really do feel like this book was a love letter to like our genre and our readers and fangirls and fandom and that kind of thing. 
Yeah, because there's also sort of a runner within the book about Wonder Wonder Bar. What is Wonderland? The- Wonderland. Wonderland. <laughs> Wonderland. <laughs> For some reason, I was like, oh, it's a German name. (laughs) I sounded like a candy bar to me. I was like, I know, like wonderful. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Um, Because you guys came from the world of fan fiction, too, there, it it really did feel like that kind of love leather to to girls in particular, or just sort of Mm -hmm. that like all encompassing love that you have for like a band or an actor or a TV show when you are the ages of um, Stevie and I'm blanking again, guys. I swear, Juno. I swear. I'm so sorry. I mean, yes, like we, we are allowed to be fangirls when we are seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, but also we're allowed to be fangirls when we're 35, 48, 56, 65. Like, I think that's one of the things too, is Fizzy shares this joy with these younger girls, but that doesn't mean that they can't relate to each other about it and that they can't each experience things about this band that are age appropriate for each of them. Right. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. I think that that was, that was one of the things we wanted to, you know, include is like Fizzy really loves this band and she is a grown woman and Juno is 10 and she also loves this band and they can share that. And it doesn't have to be like, inappropriate for fizzy to be there you know i mean if anybody can see behind either of us we have a lot of fandom things it's like like bts and if you could see if i tilt my screen up you can see their feet of my dolls right here so my like whole thing behind me yeah 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 i love that no and i and i think that's so special too and i also loved something that I love about romance in general is I always say it's like at the end of a romance novel, it's never just like the couple on an Island with nobody else. Like it's, it is about community building. And I loved that relationship that Fizzy has with her best friend's daughter, because I certainly have that with some of my friends, kids, and it is such a special and specific relationship that I don't know. I've really seen represented a ton. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, she's a great auntie and I think, you know, it was really fun writing somebody, you know, here's the thing, like, I have a daughter who is 13. And Christina has known her since before she was born. And so Christina is a person who loves my daughter without biological obligation. And the same Mm -hmm. is really true for Fizzy with Juno. Juno is Jess's daughter, Jess is Fizzy's best friend, but Juno and Fizzy have a relationship. And they have a connection that is separate from Fizzy's connection with Jess and separate from Juno's relationship to Jess. And I love that. I love that we can find all these ways that these girls slash women can connect in this book and they can form these relationships that are like foundational to their lives and who they are. Right. Um, And so I think we get so much joy out of writing female friendships and female relationships. So it was really fun writing that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, And I also obviously love Connor. This is a romance novel and the hero is particularly fantastic in this book. And he's British and super serious. Um, I'd love to hear kind of how you guys come up with your heroes, especially because you had kind of a ready-made heroine in Fizzy accidentally. (laughs) Um, So how did you choose kind of who her match would be? Um, so Connor was actually kind of hard for us because Fizzy, we knew who she was, but like, even from her first page, she was like, so clear. Her voice was so clear and she's so fun and a scene stiller that then the the problem really became like, who deserves Fizzy? And when we are like writing characters, we're really looking at like, not like, oh, I want the tall, you know, British guy, or oh, we want like grumpy sunshine or whatever. We're really going, who is the person that is the perfect match for this other person? And we sort of build it around that. And so uh, Connor was like, I mean, River, I think he was pretty easy in Soulmate Equation because so much of his personality came from like his job and how serious it's like his life's work. And Connor, some of it came from like his devotion to his daughter and wanting to be a better person for mistakes he had made and stuff. But his voice really came down in layers. It was like, oh, no, that's not right. 
nope, that's not right either. <laughs> nope, that's not right. And so sometimes we don't know we're doing something right till we do it wrong a couple of times. And that was really the case with him. Yeah. Um, and so you guys are obviously a writing duo. Um, how do you come up with ideas for the books? Do you have sort of a, like a writing list of possible log lines that you dip into or you come up with a heroine? I imagine it changes, but in general, sort of how does it, how do you guys get started? I mean, we usually have a few ideas that are like percolating in the background and we sort of noodle on them a little until we finished whatever draft we're working on and then we can start the next thing. Um, Like the book that we're writing right now has been an idea that we have been wanting to do for like a year or two years maybe. Um, And so, you know, we kind of keep these ideas on the back burner, but we get them from everywhere. We get them from a line in a movie that makes us laugh or from something we see when we're out on a work trip together or um, a premise that we like, but we feel hasn't been done a certain way, you know, or it hasn't been done by us. Right. And I think that's one of the lovely things about romance is that it's all very like, um, it's all, we all sort of live in the same, the same sandbox, the same foundation. There are certain genre rules that we play by. And, you know, the name of the podcast is learning the tropes. Like there's certain (laughs) tropes that we all love to revisit and, and play with. And so, you know, we always want to put our take on certain things, but we rarely start with the trope. So it's usually starting with the characters um, or a premise, and then we kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you come to romance? Was it sort of stealing books from your grandmother, which I think is quite popular, or was it later in life? Sort of how did you, what was your first introduction to the genre? Uh, so for me, my mom has always been a really big reader, a romance reader specifically. Um, we used to go to the used bookstore and my mom would buy, you know, Barbara Cartland and Harlequin (laughs) selects and, you know, everything, um, for like a nickel a piece. And so our garage was just, we had this big, like two car garage and it was just like bookcases and they were just all filled like too deep. And I wasn't supposed to read them, but I used to. <laughs> and um, I had my my favorites. I knew which ones were not going to have anything. They were going to be completely faded black. And then I knew the ones that were like the Harlequin Desire, or you know. And uh, I was I got really good at like being able to like open the book and find like about the right point, you know, where the like love scene would be. But I didn't come to writing romances later in life. Um, when I, I was like in my thirties and I was recovering from surgery and I stumbled upon fan fiction and that's where I started writing it. Mm-hmm. I started writing fan fiction when I was about 12 or 13. Um, I was writing days of our lives fanfic and I didn't realize that's what it was at the time. I just was writing stories for myself because I would watch an episode of the soap opera and want to see more, um, about what happened, like later that day or when if it was just like Jack and Jennifer or Patch and Kayla I like just wanted more of that and my parents are very um they were especially when I was growing up very like hyper intellectual and so they sort of saw romance as I mean they weren't judgmental about it but they would never like have picked it out for me so if I wanted to read a Danielle Steele or um, anything like that, I would have to use my allowance and go to the used bookstore. And they were like, not like disappointed, but they were, you know, they weren't asking like, what is this? And why do you like it? And like, let's talk about it. It was just sort of like this thing that I did. And I mean, to my like young Lauren credit, I was never ashamed. I was never like, I have to hide this. I was just like, well, if you don't get it, that's, you know, your loss. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I just, I think I just been writing like fan fiction-y romance until I got into my mid thirties, I got back to it. And that's how I met Christina. We met in fandom and decided to write together and the rest is history. Um, I love that. So it's sort of like coming to it a little bit later and then, yeah. you know. 12 year old writing which I think I never wrote fan fiction but I was definitely on those sites I was reading fan fiction I was finding it oh yeah there's so much talent there yeah yeah and they then 
so long. They go on forever, some of them. So it's oh, so yeah. great. Lo wrote like millions of words. She's like one of those super prolific. I remember somebody was like, there's like a group, a specific type of fan fiction writer. There's the one that like comes out of nowhere and <laughs> writes one amazing story and disappears. And then there's the one that's like, you could always go to for your favorite trope. And then there's the one that just writes like millions of like gorgeous words. And that was Lo. <laughs> oh. How did you guys decide to start to write your first book together? Um, so we met we were like talking online um, and reading each other's stories and stuff um, around the time Twilight came out. And then uh, Lowe's friend is the program director of San Diego Comic-Con. And he had asked Lowe if he want, if she wanted to put on a panel about fan works. And mm -hmm. so Lowe had um, invited me to come out and be on the panel. So that was the first time that we met. Um, it was like during new moon time, you know, fanfic time. And um, we just like met in person and really got along. And so we, and it's funny cause Lo had mentioned, I've known her daughter since before she was born. She had just found out she was pregnant. Like I think like that day or the day before or something like that, nobody knew. So she's like our little like relationship barometer though. <laughs> and uh, um, so we decided to write a one shot together. So for anybody who writes fic, that's just like a little short story based on a prompt. And that was so fun that we decided to write a book because in our minds, that was like the next logical step. And it's only, I think, looking um, back now, we realize how insanely naive but lucky we were. Um, we Like one of us could have been just crazy. Because <laughs> we, we didn't knew each know other each for other. like three weeks. Yeah. yeah, we didn't know each other very well. Like we are the best of best friends now, but it grew right along with our partnership. And so we are so lucky that we are like so compatible and like like genuinely like each other so much. Yeah, I think that's the big danger. Well, that's also like love at first sight. It's your own sort of romance as well that you saw something in each other that you knew was going to be absolutely gold. Not all yeah. soulmates are romantic. Oh, definitely not. No, yeah. not at all. Um, and Fizzy talks about in the book a little bit. <clears throat> the stigma that comes along with her being a romance author and her mother wanting or her thinking that her mother wants her to write a real novel. Um, how was it sort of when you started being successful romance authors and it was kind of out there? Were you did you face any weirdness? Imagine oh, yeah. People are so weird. Oh, yeah. They're so weird. <laughs> I Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember. um so I have a couple stories, actually. There was one where I had, we had just published our first few books. They were, the first series we did was very spicy. And I was at a soccer game of my son's and one of the moms, her mother was there. And she was a sort of like Pearl's cardigan, you know. Um, she just felt very like New England old money to me. And she was asking like what I did and what, you know, what my job is. And I said, I write romance. And she's like, oh, are they trashy? I hope they're trashy. I love a trashy romance. And I just remember <laughs> thinking like, that's such a weird way to describe this. And like, like also a weird compliment to give because it's not really a compliment, you know? Um, and then the other one was when I was leaving my scientific, my science job, I was working for a company and doing research. And I left and my husband also worked for the company. And um, we had this one head of chemistry. He was this really nice guy and I really enjoyed working with him. And about a year after I had left, he was talking to my husband and he was like, hey, how's, how's Lauren doing? Like, is she enjoying her job? And my husband said, yeah, she's loving it. Like she's just thriving. I mean, she's really found her, her you know, calling. And this chemist was like, huh, all right, well, I guess I'm really happy for her. And so my husband is like, that's a weird response. And so he was talking to another mutual friend of ours later, and she, re she explained that this chemistry guy, the head of chemistry for this big company, thought that I had left work to go make porno film, like pornography, to like film pornographic, like Jesus. MILF or something. And that he was just like, 
Okay, I mean, I guess that's cool. And like, I, I mean, I'm like not. I mean, we like love this. a sex positive chemist, we do. but really, we totally do. But I think that like people, the way that people conflate, and that's totally fine. Yeah. There's absolutely no shame in sex work, but the conflation for me between like going and doing sex work and like writing a romance novel and the way that society views both of those things. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's conversations to be had there and that's like, so I, I mean, we all absolutely got asked, like, what do our husbands think about what we write? We got asked what we, our fathers think about what we write. And it's, mm. it happens much less now. And I don't know if it's because we're more established or because like the media has gotten the memo that that sort of hot take is not appreciated, but yeah, it happens. Living in Utah, even now I keep it sort of quiet. Not not that I'm like ashamed of it in any in any way, but people can be sort of weird about it. And so it's not like I walk up and be like, I write romance or you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So um yeah, it is a lot better now. I really do think that the media has like has really helped in improving the way that they do coverage and we're really lucky that there's they have people writing about romance now who actually read it and that has helped a lot. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, we got interviewed by a lot of people early on that had never read a romance book. And so they just didn't understand what it was and like how to mm. speak about them. And so, yeah, I think that there's more awareness now that it is this enormous genre that like mm -hmm. floats the rest of publishing and, yep. you know, has a lot to it say. Also, it also helps that, you know, in the early days, romance was like back in the back of the store. And now you walk into any, you know, indie bookstore, Barnes and Noble, whatever. And usually the tables right up front are full of brightly colored romance novels. So mm -hmm. that's a big change. For sure. Yeah. You hope that, yeah, that's changing. I feel like sometimes it is. And then sometimes they're back at the bottom of the shelf mm. or something like that. I, I do think there's still a way to go. I always think, cause you know, people know that I have this podcast and I also will talk about romance with anybody at any moment. Like I'm I live ready but like people always be like oh are, are romance novels well written and I always want to be like are movies good and it's like yeah yeah like yes there are ones that are like absolutely like top tier amazing there are ones that are good most are are pretty good or okay and then there are some that you wouldn't read but that's yeah. there's no genre that's free of that it's exactly. not like well every detective novel is Pulitzer yeah. Prize winning. It's like, no, it's like also, anything. And there's some people writing. People act like they're so surprised. Like, oh, I don't normally read romance, but I like this. And it's like, mm -hmm. or I don't really like romance, but I like this. And it's like, okay, but you think you don't because you have like a idea of what you think romance is. And if you ask them like what movies they love 90% of the time, it's like a bunch of movies that like are romantic. <laughs> and you're like, you like romance. It's just finding yeah. the ones that you love. Or it's like, it, or it's an internalized misogyny situation. Yes. I mean, what's yes. interesting is, you know, we, we saw, I had this, I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw a review we were tagged in. It's a five-star review for Fizzy. I was like, oh, yay. And I was reading. And this person basically started the review saying, I never give romance five stars, five stars, but I have to give this one five stars. And it's like, why do you not just as a rule give an entire genre five stars because you should just read it as a book. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there are a lot of preconceived notions about, about romance. Yeah. Right. Or also, yeah, just take it on its own merit. Is it a book that mm -hmm. is deserving of five stars? Then it is. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, then it's not. And that's fine too. But yeah, yeah it is interesting. I, you know, because I've I've handed a lot of people their first romances as well, forced it upon them. And they always are like, I'm so surprised there's a plot. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> yeah. what did you think this was? I'm like, it's like two, three hundred pages. Like, they can't be fucking that whole time. Time <laughs> <Stop> open. <laughs> <sighs> or the, yeah. Or like you said, too, the sort of porn for women thing where I'm like, mm -hmm. porn is porn for women. There, It's not that, right. but it's also, there's an added thing to it. And it's, women are just not allowed to engage in, in pleasure in that way in, within mm -hmm. society. And so. Yeah. I'm, I'm like something that Fizzy says is something that Lowe has said so many times that as a society, we tend to like give more value to stories that are painful and you know, struggle. depressing struggle. And, 
you know, um, but stories that are about joy and happiness and love, we tend to like be like, oh, guilty pleasure. And it's changing, but I would really like to see it get better. Definitely. Well, and I was thinking too about specifically gay romance. And I grew up in the 90s. And I think you guys probably did too. I bet we're all kind of similar ages. And like back then, no no gay person lived to see the end of any of their stories. So I always found it so odd mm-hmm. that then in romance, where not only do they live, but they thrive and they're in partnership at the end of the book are seen as so much less than where these books that are like, you know, where people die is seen as literature. And I never quite mm-hmm. understood that. Cause I'm like, I, it's easy to kill somebody. It's hard to make somebody fall in love, you know? Mm-hmm. Novel. Well, I think that's I wouldn't know from experience, but <laughs> I mean, I, I love I that. Like, I love that. Like the um, you know, the romance genre, the community gets to explore those questions of like who deserves a happily ever after, and sort of mm-hmm. pushes the conversation on a bigger cultural level about like who should be in these books, and it's the answer obviously is everybody, people with disabilities, people of color. Um, everybody from any culture, you know, I think we need to represent those. But like, I love that romance is, is out there saying like, no, these joyful stories belong to all of us, right? These are not mm-hmm. just like white cis het stories. And now the challenge, I think, for those of us who are white cis het need to um, really encourage our fellow white women to pick up books and read them that have characters who look different than they do or you know have different circumstances yeah and so fizzy is asian american uh in the story Mm -hmm. and so i know that you worked with um sensitivity readers or or cultural readers uh for Mm -hmm. fizzy did you have any kind of apprehension going into writing her Oh, yeah. I mean, that's actually one of the reasons why we hesitated doing a fizzy book at all is because we had to make sure that the story we were telling was a romance story about a woman rather than a romance slash cultural story about a Chinese American woman. And that whatever Mm -hmm. fizzy was going through was something that we could tell authentically as fellow women and that we could get the cultural pieces right with research and help and like plenty of readers. But I mean, we would never ever want to take a book off the shelf, take the space of a shell on the shelf that could be filled by a Chinese American writer writing the story. And so just because we had created Fizzy didn't necessarily mean that it was our story to tell. And so we did spend a lot of time thinking about that. Um, and in the end, I think we realized that who she is as a character was lovely, inspiring, and relatable enough that we could tell her story and just do the work to make sure she felt properly represented. And we hope we did. But if we messed mm-hmm. up, that's like on us, you know? Yeah. Um, in the book, Fizzy also says that pirate romances aren't for any everyone. Is that a YouTube <laughs> opinion, just a Fizzy opinion? Sort of. I want the. I want to bring back pirate romances. I feel like we've had a dearth lately. Oh, I mean, I think that's probably a fizzy thing. I think people can. I'll read a pirate <laughs> romance if somebody wants to give me a good one. Yeah, of course. I think that's just a fizzy thing. And I think it's her saying, too, that, like, there's so much depth in this genre that, like, not every book is for every reader. And so she's going to do things that some of her readers might not like. And that comes from us, too. I mean, we have so many different books that I think there are some books that our readers really love. And that same reader might not love a different Christina Lauren book as much. And that's okay. You know, we're going to write what we want to write. So, yeah. Um, this is, uh, the podcast is called Learning the Tropes, as you know. Um, and so we do like to talk about tropes here and sort of celebration of the tropes. Do you have, uh, what are your favorite tropes to read and or write and least favorite as well, if you have any? Uh, my favorite ones to, so we always, like, we were just joking about this on something else that, like, when my mom, you know, I used to read her books and stuff, she 
had a ton of Western, like a ton. Mm -hmm. It's like the girl that like has lost everything and has to get a job and she goes out on a ranch. She doesn't know anything. She's a fish out of water, you know, and I love those. And I loved like Secret Baby. And uh, people are always like, I don't like Secret Baby, but I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like send me. Remember that heart song where like um she he shows up somewhere and like there's this little boy that like has his eyes and stuff, that kind of thing like just kills me. But um I love to write enemies to lovers, uh, because it's like it's easy to be funny when you can, you know, make, get some jabs in and people. Um Lowe's absolute favorite is like she is a piner, so she loves <laughs> brother's best friend. And mm. that sort of like longing from like afar, you know, um, she loves those ones. I don't, what's your favorite to write? Is it that one too? To read and to write? Um, I think I like, I love writing friends to lovers. Like that moment, those moments where it's like things are changing, but you're still not sure. And especially if like he falls first and then it's just like that first kiss, he's just been like waiting for it for so long and she finally realizes it i don't know if it's done well it's so satisfying mm -hmm. yeah are there any tropes that you wouldn't touch we're probably not gonna write a, a dark romance you know yeah we're not christina lauren does not have a, a falling in love with your kidnapper vibe <laughs> like those are <laughs> not going to be the the books that we're going to write but other than that, I guess it's fair game. And I think the thing with tropes, too, it always depends on, like, we all have the tropes that we're not as fans of. But I think then when you read the right author doing it, you're like, okay, well, in this case, I do like it. But, well, and actually, like, that's I, funny, We because we had this conversation with um, Maisie Eddings. We did an event with her on last week sometime. And she asked us like, is there anything you wouldn't write? And we said the thing about the kidnapper and she was like, okay, now I challenge you to do that in a Christina Lauren voice, just make it like funny and capering. And we were like, okay. So like now we're sort of playing with the possibility of that down the road. And I do think that that it's all about perspective and like, you know, not seeing it necessarily as like, we have to write like a sky Warren dark romance. Cause that wouldn't be our voice, mm -hmm. but like a Christina Lauren take on that, could be lighthearted and funny if you make sure the context works. I want to see that too. I think that would be so fun. There's a lot there. Um, <clears throat> so in the True Love Experiment, the True Love Experiment title is taken from the reality show that Connor produces where Fizzy is uh, the heroine and she has eight heroes, each of a different archetype. Um, so I wanted to play a little game of this or that for hero archetypes. And then, so okay. which you would choose. And then also if you have a book to recommend with that kind of hero archetype of yours or somebody else's bonus points, I guess. Okay. okay. Um, and also I want to shout out the learning the tropes troop on Facebook because I was at a loss at a certain stage of how <laughs> to come up with more. And they really came through with the good ones. Um. Nice. So to start, so pirate or mob boss? Pirate. <laughs> um, Self-made or landed gentry? Ooh. I could go either. Gentry, yeah. Yeah, like a duke or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, alpha or beta? Beta. Mm, alpha. <laughs> Whoa, I was okay. wondering if you guys were going to be like shot for shot the whole time. <laughs> um, uh, Dill for younger man. Younger man. <laughs> Did you, you, you didn't say Dill even though Connor said Dill? <laughs> no, no, I'll say younger man. I mean... I, I don't know. I I think, I guess I was sort of like equating that with like Silver Fox and I'm like, I've got mm -hmm. an older guy out here. I don't want <laughs> I know, but like Connor is a younger man and a Dilf. So like, can we take both in this situation? He I is a younger man. Oh, that's the other thing I want to tell you He's four years younger than she is. 
I love, so Fizzy is in her late 30s. Connor's in his early 30s. You don't see heroines her age. What made Mm -hmm. you guys decide? Well, I guess if she was already that age in the first book, but... Yeah, if you want to talk a little bit about having yeah, a but we also older heron. I mean, we also moved it forward a few years, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I think in Soulmate Equation, she's like 33, 34, somewhere around there. And so we have her 37 in this book. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was totally intentional. I think we wanted her to be at a place in life where she's like, will these things ever happen for me? Mm-hmm. Do I need them to happen and if they don't happen, what does the rest of my life look like? And I mean, I feel like that's a question that a lot of friends that I have are facing and asking themselves mm-hmm. and they're coming out of it with mm-hmm. different answers. But since it's a romance, of course, we have to give her a hero. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that I would have made him even younger if we, if we could have, I think at one point the age gap was maybe a little bigger and then maybe yeah. shortened it. I can't remember. I, I think math, you have to figure out. And also the <laughs> age of, um, of Stevie and Juno, they yeah, had to be yeah. the same age, and it had to make sense. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess there's a certain age in which it like it makes the story a little bit more tragic of sort of Stevie's beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. then for Dill for younger man, you would say both, ideally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, law or outlaw? Law. Outlaw. What? Law? Wait, Wait we both law. Say or- outlaw? I said. I said law. Really? You? I don't know. I just think it would be fun to read. <laughs> I'll take a cowboy outlaw. <laughs> All right. <laughs> She's just my little rule follower. That's why it surprised me. Yeah. Um, then, uh, oh, cinnamon roller, stern brunch daddy. Stern brunch daddy. What? <laughs> I like that. Well, I mean, I don't know if I love that term. I'm going to be honest. Like, I That's love why that. I said what? I love the people who use that term, but I don't know that I love the term itself. But I will say, like, I think I like a reserved hero who doesn't show a lot of emotion. Um, but that once he, like, finds his lady, he's like, you know, that's it for him. So if that's a stern brunch daddy, then I want that. Is that a grumpy sunshine? Well, that's a grump. Okay. Is it the same as grumpy sunshine? Like a, a cinnamon roll doesn't necessarily have to be sunshine. It's just kind of soft, which I guess is sunshine. You're right. See, I always think of a cinnamon roll as like somebody who basically what he wants is what's best for her. Mm-hmm. But I think that's true for all the heroes that they're done well. I, I think of a cinnamon roll as being like the like he's like hangs out. He's like fun to hang out with, and he like non judgmental and easy. Yeah, easygoing, <laughs> and he's like you know got I'll a lot of girlfriends. And mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> um, athlete or musician? Musician about sports so i'm gonna say musician (laughs) (laughs) if i had to watch sports then it's out (laughs) okay um blue collar or billionaire well Um, in life or books (laughs) none of us like a billionaire in life obviously this is strictly books Oh man, I don't think I want to give up either of those because they're both so delightful. They're just mm-hmm. different. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from choosing that one. I want them both Her to stay. Billionaire, and he can be the blue collar. Yeah, there you I'll go. I a rich heroine, poor hero is, and not that blue collar is poor, obviously, but is my favorite. Um. Then, oh, the line ends with B or I'm not gauche enough to fall in love with my wife. I don't know. I don't know what that means. means. Yeah. The line ends with me is when they don't want to have any children. So they like try not to have sex with their wife. And then uh, Bridgerton. Bridgerton. Yeah. He's the big one where I guess you just keep your wife ignorant of how babies are made. 
And then, uh, or I'm not gauche enough to fall in love is just like an arranged marriage. And they're like, oh, I could, I, I, I'll just not love, fall in love with her. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. And it doesn't work out well. That one. The second one. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see, we'll do one more, um, rogue or virgin hero. I mean, those could both be fun. (laughs) Yeah, man. I want it all. That's the thing is like out of my cold, dead hands, you could take these. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. If I'm going to choose one today, I'm going with, um, rogue just today. Okay. Um, I mean, if I'm going to read it, I don't necessarily know if I want to write a, a version because that's a, that's a whole lot of responsibility, but I, I'll read it. <laughs> and I feel also like a contemporary version is tougher than yeah. back in yeah. the day. Yeah. Especially like um, an older one, because then you have to sit there and come up with reasons and, you know, romance mm-hmm. reasons, that's why. Yeah. Don't worry about it. That's why. Um, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, as we're kind of wrapping up here, what uh, books have you guys been reading recently that you're really loving? Man, you know, what's hard is the book that I just finished doesn't come out until next year. It's Kate Claiborne's mm. upcoming book. And it's so mm. freaking good. I was like reading it on the plane coming back from a polycon and just like, just casually sobbing in my seat. The guy next to me, I could tell was just like, you all right. But I mean, I think he realized (laughs) it was over the book. So I'm going to recommend the one that she released just this year, which is called Georgie all along. And it's just delightful. It's about a messy heroine named Georgie Mulcahy. And she moves home after her boss in LA decides to retire. And Georgie sort of doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know who she is or what she wants to be. And kind of inadvertently ends up with a roommate because her parents let this town dock repairman stay at their house while they were out of town. And Levi is just like the voiciest, softest, gruffest, strongest hero. And he's just so gone for her. And I love the writing so much. Like the voice in this book is just beautiful. Um, And that's also true with her book that comes out next year. So I just think she's just at the top of her game. So Kate Claiborne, anything she writes is amazing. Um, I just finished this week, actually, uh, or last week. We were at a Polycon, uh, which is like a big romance event. And we did um, a a event at East City Books with Maisie Eddings. And it was um, her book, The Plus One. Um, and it's just like really cute and deals with a lot of like emotional issues and stuff. And um, I hadn't read the second book, but I read the first one. And the first one in that series is super light and bubbly. So to get this new one from Maisie was really fun um, and just like showed how much she can do. So that was great. And then I'm also reading, it's very long. Um, I know this much is true by Wally Lang. And I didn't realize because I was reading on my Kindle how long it is, and it's night like nine hundred and eleven pages or something. Oh, jeez! <laughs> and I'm, a, yeah. I'm an audio listener, and so I was like, "Well, this is great. I'll get the audio book, and then I'll go." I like I do that all the time, where I will oftentimes have the Kindle, the audio, and the like hardcover version or paperback. And uh, I was listening. I started listening to the audio book, and then realized that it was only like a section because it's like heavily abridged and I said to Lo yesterday clearly I don't know the like breadth of the word abridged I thought it meant like just a tiny bit of editing but no once I looked at it I saw it was like five hours long (laughs) that is not a 900 page book wow that's wild yeah so within like five minutes I was like this feels very different (laughs) than what I've been reading for the last week but and they just so they made the show of that recently mm-hmm. with Mark Ruffalo. Is that right? so it, no, it's a okay. show. It was on HBO oh. with Mark Ruffalo. And honestly, like I was super excited. So this is again, this is Lauren. And I was I read that book in college and it really inspired the path that I took in my first career. Um, it got me very interested in schizophrenia and I got into neuroscience and that's what I did my doctorate in, and I was just sort of like down that rabbit hole. 
And so when I heard that this um, show was coming out, I was so excited. But honestly, the show is just like really bleak. <laughs> and so the book, the book for me is so powerful and it's like uplifting. It's about mental illness. It's about family. It's about family secrets. It's about you know, the complicated relationships we have with like, you know, siblings and ourselves. And it's a really beautiful book. And I just remember thinking the show is like, maybe this just stays a book in my life. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, adaptation is no joke. I think it's so hard. And you mm-hmm. guys ha- are adapting. Well, a few of your books have been optioned, but you're writing the script for one of them. Can you talk about that? Or is that all top secret? Um, so we wrote the script for Roomies, which is being adapted by um, Oops Donut and Everheart Productions and Village Roadshow. And I always get that confused with Antique Roadshow. <laughs> Village Roadshow. And- I wanted to say Village Roadhouse. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too many, too many words. Yeah. Um, and uh quiet because it was optioned it's been optioned and then bought for a couple of years but these things move so slowly i think that we're just all used to these like movies that like are the book is done the movie is bought it's made and it comes out when like these things just move so slowly yeah i mean like Judy Bloom's book, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret's, like, yeah, like yeah. six years old and that movie's coming out. We're like, all right, so it happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah. it, and then, you know, like, and Honeymooners has been um, bought and stuff, but there's a, a writer's strike now. We already have a script and stuff, but um, who knows what will happen. Yeah, pencils down, everybody, for the strike. Um, but that just started <laughs> La- yesterday, yesterday, I think was the first official day. Yeah. So it's early to tell, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. was it challenging to try to adapt your own work into a different medium? No, I mean, I think it was fun and it took a lot of drafts and iterations and we we really we'd never written a screenplay before and so our director Andy Fickman and our producer Betsy Sollinger they both have a lot of experience with writing and adaptations and so they really really shepherded us through the process which we love because they're both creative and visionary and hilarious and so patient and so loving and generous and it's been a really great experience um And so the thing was, when we adapted it in the book, it's Holland is the heroine and Calvin is the Irish hero. But when we started adapting it, it was 2018 and it was sort of the time of Trump. And like he had just created this, you know, sort of block on immigration to the U.S. And it felt very tone deaf for us to adapt a book about a white man struggling to come to the U.S. So we decided to rework it so that um, the hero is actually Latin American. And so that did require a different level of research and input and circumstances. It wasn't just like plugging one like Hispanic name into a white dude's name. Like it took a lot more work than that. And I think that was a really um, satisfying and like creatively challenging, but also personally challenging thing. And we really like learned a lot and it was lovely. So I hope that we do when it's done, it's done, you know, in a way that makes people proud and they really love it because we're super proud of this book or this adaptation. And I think it could be really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it will be, we'll be, we'll be there opening night. Um I just have like a a separate question just because you mentioned like the schizophrenia and the Wally Lamb of it all. Have you read Hidden Valley Road by Cochler yet? About schizophrenia? Mm -mm. I haven't, no. It's it's this book that I'm obsessed with and it's about this family with uh, 10 sons and one or two daughters and five of the 10 sons have schizophrenia but all presenting in different degrees of schizophrenia which I wasn't aware that there you could have like mild schizophrenia to very severe schizophrenia oh yeah Um, and it's a true story yes that takes yeah and it it I mean it taught me so much because I think 
mental illness, so much about mental illness. It's not, you, you don't, there's so much you don't know until you're kind of confronted with it. And it was just, I thought it was like beautifully well done. So maybe if you do have an interest, I think it's really worth picking up. I just ordered it. Oh, good. Done. <laughs> Let me know how you <laughs> like it. Cause it's, I, and Robert Kochler is my favorite, uh, like nonfiction author. He does a really beautiful job with these kinds of things. So. Okay. Um, I love that. Yeah. I'm, I love nonfiction. I haven't read this. So I'm really excited. Oh, good. Um, so at the end of every episode, we always ask what has you swooning right now? So, and that can be anything from like a TV show. Obviously we've like talked about books you've read, but if there's another one, an app, anything, a life hack that you've learned, is there anything you've been swooning about? Well, I'm just going to say that I recently just <laughs> watched, uh, the Last of Us and The Mandalorian, and I don't know how it happened, but suddenly my entire For You stuff on Instagram <laughs> is all Pedro Pesca. <laughs> and I am assuming that it's learned behavior for me, but I am going to deny it. <laughs> so swooning over Pedro, which, um, who isn't? Yeah. Yes, yes. Fair. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and similarly, who isn't in the world of music, I have been loving um both sort of getting to know taylor swift but also loving the new album by yoongi from bts who is also known as august d and christina and i get to go see him in concert next week with some friends so the music piece of it for me has been really fun lately amazing are you did you go to the eras tour are you taylor going to the eras tour? i guess <gasps> how was it so we, we saw, saw her in, in vegas in vegas it was amazing. Yeah. We actually ended up getting tickets for LA too, because we're like, we need to see it again. It was just so wonderful. It was the most beautiful, like the sets and the, the, the like show design was like, it was the most gorgeous show I've ever been to. And we have gone to a lot of concerts. Mm -hmm. It's stunning. Yeah. And she looks and sounds exactly the same in person as on TV and her, and you know, on the radio. I was like, I love Taylor Swift, obviously. Well, maybe not obviously, but because who, who doesn't? But I thought I was going to be fine not going to the show because I was like, oh, for us here in New York, it's in the Meadowlands, which is like awful to try to get to. And I was like, I'll be OK with not going. The tickets are going to be so expensive. It was such a nightmare to get them. But then my For You page on TikTok is just Eras Tour. And I'm like, I got to I got to figure out a way. It's, it's yeah. just so amazing. Yeah. It's so worth going. I mean, it really is so amazing. I'll do it. Bucket list, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would never this look... is like when you see her. Yes. For all, yeah, all of the eras. I need to. I will. I'm going to make it happen. Um. Well, thanks guys so much for, for joining me. I want to say the True Love Experiment is out May 16th. So you can pre-order it now. We all know that pre-orders are very important. So, and it's also fantastic to yeah. pre-order because it means that it just shows up. Because if you forget what day it is, yes, they won't. And they'll send it's like a little surprise party for yourself on Tuesday That's morning. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Give future you a Amazing. present. Well, thank and you for having this us. Book. Of course. How mm -hmm. can people find you and follow along and get more info? Uh, so we are Christina Lauren on Instagram and Twitter. And Christina Lauren Books, I believe, on Facebook. And then we have a Facebook group that is CeeLo and Friends. And our website is ChristinaLaurenBooks.com. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And happy reading. Thank you.